Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Is everybody doing fine and swell and dandy? It's a, a real joy to, to be here and see and hear all that God is doing amongst you and also some of the physical uh, elements of the church as well, the, the building here, uh, lots of improvements that have been made. So there's going to be lots of curries and food flowing. Can I hear a big amen as a result of the kitchen? And thanks to everybody who's engaged and got involved in that. And I said it through the video as well. Thanks ever so much for everybody who engaged in the 2020 offering. We really do appreciate it. Well, it's my joy to open the Bible, so we're going to get straight to it. And I wonder if you turn in your Bibles, uh, if you've got them here, or your electronic devices, or your iPads, or your Kindles, uh, to Nehemiah and chapter 6, because we've been working through the last few weeks uh, a series called Bring on the Wall, centered around the story of Nehemiah. And if it's your first time here today, just a, a little recap, but the reality is there was a place that was in ruins, a city that was in ruins, and uh, one of the sons of that city was very disturbed. He was in a place of comfort uh, and a place of prominence and affluence and could have just remained where he was. But uh, because of the city that was in ruins, it's equivalent to me being a, a son of this town, which is true, I was born here, and hearing that actually this place is in absolute ruins and desolate and it's forgotten. And I began to get a stirring in my heart for God to do something here in this town. And that's what happened with, with Nehemiah. And uh, over the last few weeks, Helen and Josh and also Phil have been speaking into this. And it's my joy to just finish off the, the, uh, the series today because we're going to look at how Nehemiah completed. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a little bit of a, a slant on it for those who are taking notes. It's called Mission Accomplished. I love, I love the Mission Impossible uh, films. Caroline's not too fussed on them. She thinks they're a little bit far-fetched. Anybody else here like the Mission Impossible films? Just give me a wave. Oh, there's not many of you. Okay, uh, I've got a, not done very well there, Josh, with engagement. But uh, I like it anyway. And I like the fact that Tom Cruise is jumping off buildings and he's jumping off mountains and jumping out of planes and all kinds of things. But there's a sense in which... You know, in those films, it's mission accomplished. And Nehemiah here, basically what he's doing in Nehemiah chapter 6, we'll read in a few moments, is accomplishing the mission. Now, before we drive into the detail, why I specifically have been excited about this message is because what I've realized is this. There's lots of people who start things, but there's few people who finish things. Ladies, I don't want you to uh, say too much. You can tell me everything in your, in your face and reaction. But are you married to anybody who loves to start a DIY project but then doesn't finish it? You, you don't need to say anything, ladies. I, 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 know, I, I, know, the, I know the score, okay? And, but the reality is we want to be people who start something and, and finish something. I know it's been a major frustration for us, even in the context of this building. There's things that we want to do, and we haven't quite finished it, but it's our intention uh, this year to make sure that we finish everything that we've, that we've started. And I love the fact that even in the, in the, in the context of, of sport, I, I've used this on numbers of occasions, but in 1992, there was a 400-meter runner by the name of Derek Redmond. Can you remember the semifinals? Give me a wave if those are old enough to see this runner running, and he snapped his hamstring. 
Can anybody remember that in Barcelona? And he snapped his hamstring and then the, the camera panned on it because he was absolutely distraught and he was up for potentially a, a medal, certainly, because he was the world champion at that time. And you see this guy rush from the stands. And they all thought, who is this in security? And he drives through security and they realized it's his dad. And about 150 meters from the finishing line, he gets him up on his feet and together they finish the race. You know, what I want to do is I want to speak into a finishing spirit, if I can, today. Because God has started something in it. God has started something in you. And what he has started, he will bring to completion. Philippians 1 verse 6. What God has started, he will bring to completion. Can I hear an amen? Amen. What God has begun, the good work he has begun in you, he will bring to completion completion. You haven't got to worry. We've already heard it with great encouragement from Nathan. All we simply need to do is trust him. You might not be where you expected to be. You might not be where you planned to be. You might not be where you hoped to be. But I want to say what God is doing in you, he will, if you will simply trust him, he will bring it to a place of completion. Can I hear a big amen? Because I believe that in my life. There's been times when I felt like I've been stuck in a ditch. Anybody with me? You just feel like you've been in a ditch. Ditch of discouragement. Ditch of distraction. Ditch of despair. Anybody ever been in those ditches? Oh yeah, I've been in them as well. Anybody ever felt like they've been in a spiritual cul-de-sac? Where you're wondering where you're going. Anybody feel like you've been like going around the spiritual uh, roundabout? Anybody feel like they've been in a spiritual desert? Yeah, lots of things that can happen. But you see, what we have to have is a simple trust and a confidence that what God started, he will bring to completion. But we have to contribute in that and we have to participate with God. You know, what I've realized is this. Every time I hear that song or a song about prodigals, some of you, you literally have sons and daughters you're hoping to return. And I'm with you. But when I sing songs like that, I can literally think of hundreds of people who once served the Lord and are no longer serving the Lord. And you see, God started something in them. And that's why I usually bellow a yes or an amen or I can't help myself because I I, I just want to connect with the agreement of the song that says, God, you can do that in prodigals. If you're a prodigal here today, I want to say what God has started, he will bring to completion the good work that he started in you. You just need to come back to him. And we need to believe together that the good work that God has started here in Mansfield, through this church, we're not the only church, but the good work he started in us, he will bring to completion. Can I hear? I have to say, I'm not doing it. I think I'm preaching far better than you're responding at the moment. So please just help me. You know, you know God, God wants to bring to completion that which he has started. So I want to speak. And in this moment, I just want to pray that over these next 22 minutes that I've got with you, there'll be a finishing attitude, a finishing spirit that begins to rise up within you. Because I get a sense that some of you would like to quit. I get a sense that some of you are thinking, this is too difficult. This is too troublesome. This is hard. But I want to say, You know, that song that I'm always reminded, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What is it? The past behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, 
no turning back. And I just would encourage every one of us in this moment just to pray. I want us to just pray that my words will be way more than just information or even inspiration, but there will be an impartation. For whatever you are walking into, there would be a, a finishing attitude in Christ. So Father, I pray across this congregation. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, what, thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Lord, everybody has a story. Lots of pain that has been, if we collected all the pain, oh my goodness, it filled this room. Some of the challenges that people have faced. But Lord, we know that you take and you redeem every part of our life, pain and joy. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be a finishing spirit, an attitude that arises in our hearts and in this church. Lord, that we would believe in the good times and sometimes the bad times that you are with us and what you've started, you will bring to completion. And everybody said together, amen and amen. I always cause issues because they like to get me on here. I hate being down here because I like being down here. And uh, I will do as I'm told, Josh, because I'm a man under authority. And I'll keep jumping back up. But well done, Eleanor, for spotting that. So it may be that you are struggling with a habit. And it may be that the habit wants to get hold of you. You've got to be determined today that you're going to accomplish the mission. It's going to be a mission accomplished. It may be a relationship that may be trying to drag you back. You've got to be determined today. That you're going to finish the mission. Are you with me? Whatever circumstance, you can hang on that. And Josh and the, the guys here are working with you, the team. What God has begun here, he will complete. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got to have an attitude that says we're going to complete it in Jesus' name. Yeah. Now, before we get there, because I want to share some very practical things that I've had to work out in my life over many, many years of Christian ministry. I just want to talk for a moment from Nehemiah. We'll read a few verses. And then, because there's still some things that he had to deal with in chapter six, even though it was so close, that we're going to try and derail him. Let's jump to the, to the passage, shall we? In Nehemiah and chapter 6, yeah, let's go from the screen. I'll read it from the screen. screen. It says, when the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, and those three individuals were a thorn in his side. They were nonstop at him from when he started the mission. And the, uh, and the rest of our enemies that had rebuilt the wall and not a guy. Sorry, when the word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall... And not a gap was left in it. He was a good, he was a good builder. <laughs> Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Carry on. Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages to them with this reply. I'm carrying on. You need to underline this in your Kindle or your Bible. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? I've had to say this many times in my spirit when people have tried to stop what God is wanting. No, no, no. I am carrying on a good work. Four times they sent the same message. Come and meet us. And each time I gave them the same answer. Let's carry on. Then the fifth time, Sam Balance sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter. We're going to jump in a, in a few moments to some other verses, in which was written, it is reported amongst the nations and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are re rebuilding the wall. Moreover, 
According to these reports, you're about to become their king. And I have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together, try and encourage them. This reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Let's jump to verse 9. They're all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. We'll flick through from verse 10. If you can go to verse 10 and through to verse 11 and carry on. I want you to get down to verse 15, if you may, on the screens. Yeah, I'll tell that story in a moment. Go to verse 13. Here we go. So the war was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Verse 16. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Now, before we get to some finishing techniques and lessons as we read this together we still see that Nehemiah was having to deal with three particular characters and they were attacking principally his character I don't want to take take too much time on this but verse 6 there were rumors for those who are taking notes there were rumors they said to him you plan to be king He had no such intention of setting himself up as king. God hadn't told him to be king. God had told him to rebuild the walls. That's what God had told him to do. And often there there can be rumours. I often say, don't believe everything you hear. It's true. Don't believe everything you hear. You can believe everything you read and hear in this book, but don't believe everything you hear. Now there's some truth and there's also not, not always true. Secondly, there was an attack on Nehemiah, not just through rumours, but also through deceit. We didn't go to the story because of time, but we see in verse 10, I think down to about 13, somebody wanted to come and meet with him because somebody had previously prophesied some things and they said, we want to be, be at one with you and we will just want to talk to you. Let me tell you, that was complete trickery and from this character called Shammai. It was deceit. And there's another thing that the enemy tries to do, not just rumours, he tries to come with deceit to try and derail us, lies and deceit. The third thing in verse 17, which we didn't read and I'll read it to you, it says, also in those days, nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. They kept going at it with false reporting. These are the things that can come to a church. There can be rumours, deceit and false reports. You know, when I set about the mission of trying to rebuild churches, I thought all Christians were going to be happy. And then I realised there weren't. And then what I realised, when we undertook this mission of taking on, I was just talking to Anne Dewan, because I was just going through some old notes of the time when we closed the Bosworth Street Church and came into a new, and I've even got the prayer written in my, in my book here. And I thought everybody would be delighted, particularly from the Christian community. The, the, the most opposition that we had was from Christians in the town. The people who had much to say and tried to discredit me, discredit my character. There was people saying all kinds of things about me. 
which simply wasn't true. And I will put it on the record. They even, I've even got a letter from a so-called Christian that said my marriage was going to fail. That's a nice encouraging thing. Well, if you thought that, why didn't he pray for me? Don't declare it. And by the way, our marriage has never been stronger. I thought I'd have a better marriage. As you need to know, one of your pastors, our marriage is strong. We want to continue to. I said to a group, we, I mean, why on earth? I mean, I was certainly punching well above my weight. And why on earth she'd want to stick around with me nearly 27 years, but she has. But, you know, we have our ups and downs, as in challenges, little... What do they call it? You know, you know, that. Anyway. Um, puppets. Yeah, puppets. Yeah. But my point that I'm making is, what was all that about? Yeah. People were always trying to attack you because they were trying to derail us even before we began. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nehemiah defeated those. But there were some things that were, I think, that were so essential. When I look at the, the, the ministry that I've heard over the last few weeks, and as I look at Nehemiah, and it's a favorite book of mine, I just see a number of very, very practical applications to us. And I just want to help you because my question is, okay, we're now coming to, end of, to the end of it, but what does it take to finish? What does it actually take to finish? Well, let me give you a few things. Number one, you've got to remain focused. Yeah. You've got to remain utterly focused. Verse 3 and 4, I've already read it to you, but it says there, they were scheming to harm us, so I sent messages to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same message. Answer, Nehemiah was utterly focused. Listen to me, if God has asked you to do something, you've got to have a resilience in your heart and you've got to be determined to be focused on what God has asked you to do. It's no good getting sidetracked. It's no good getting distracted. You know, can I say Arena Church Mansfield, remain very focused on what God has asked you to do. Remain focused. What is the focus? to go and grow and to love and serve our world. How do we want people to do that? We want people to know God, don't we? We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover their purpose. And then we want people to go and make a difference. We want to be a generous people. We want to be a big-hearted people. We always want to do ministry and leadership. These are some of the, in, in, in team and in leadership, these are some of the focuses that we have as a church and we need to remain focused. Secondly, what does it take to finish all these deserving of a, a week on their own, there was a determined response. There was a determined response. I've already said verse 8 and verse 9. I sent in the reply, what you are saying, that's not true. Verse 9, they're all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. There's a determined response. Some people find me stubborn. And there needs to be a little bit of stubbornness and steel in leadership if you're going to get anything done. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But let me tell you, the actual accusation of stubbornness is not true. Because I do try and live with an openness to hear. But there's another time when I'm immovable. I'm immovable. Particularly on what God has said to us. And particularly when it lines up with this book here. And particularly when it's witnessed by other leaders, 
Not just I, I become immovable, immovable, we become immovable. We're not going to move on every whim. Hello? We're not going to uh, move on every fancy. We're not going to move around on every notion that's being put out there. We want to be people of the word. We want to be people in line with the spirit. And we want to be determined with our response. That's what it takes to finish. Not just a focus, but a determined response. And thirdly, a simple trust in God. We've heard it today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me or submit your ways to him and he will make your paths straight. But verse nine, Nehemiah declares, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. There was a simple trust in God that he says, if I'm going to finish this work, I need to remain utterly focused. I need to have a determined response and I need to actually have a simple trust in God, a prayer for strength. This is what it takes to finish. Simple thoughts, simple phrases. But what do you expect? Because if I can say this, God always downloads to us people simply. We sometimes make things overcomplicated. What does it take to finish a DIY project, ladies? Let me help you with this. For your husbands, they need to remain focused. They need to have a determined response. And they need to have a simple trust that they can do the task. And every lady said, oh, come on, ladies, help me out. Whatever we're asking. You know, those who are in education, what does it take to finish it? You have to remain focused. You've got to have a determined response. And if God's led you and you're a believer, a simple trust that God's going to help me in this. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, that, that career path you're taking on, I'm going to remain focused on what I've asked to do. I'm going to be a diligent worker. I'm going to have a determined response. And I'm going to have a simple trust. Listen to me. Those who are part of building this church here, and I hope that's all of you, what does it take to build a church? We need to remain focused. We need to have a determined response. And we need to have a simple trust in God. And everybody said together, amen and amen. This is what it takes to finish. And of course, Nehemiah did those things. And now let's go for a moment to verse 15. I'm running you around and running you ragged a little bit here, but this is really important because the messages up to this point has brought us to here because there was a celebration. Because verse 15, I've read it. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Guys, that is utterly amazing. Seven weeks, three days from the start. Now, what was built? Ten gates without JCBs, without diggers, without scaffolding construction. Hello? Without all the mechanical help and advice that's available to us in the 21st century. Ten gates were built, six towers were built, and one and a half mile of wall was built in 52 days. Now, I'm going to draw it to a close, because, but I want to give you very, very, three very quick things. Because I was felt very inspired when I was just planning this, and particularly for this campus here. Because if we're going to build, extend and advance, I see three helpful lessons from this time that we need to apply to the 21st century church that must be present in the local church. 
if we're going to see God do what he said he was going to do. And these three things are so essential. Number one, we need to have and believe for God's favour. For God's favour. Now let me just make a declaration and please don't think that I can talk to anybody at the end. We, well, there's a sense that God comes and divinely renews that and can put it on us. But I'm a firm believer that I'm already living in it. I don't have to beg and plead for God's favour. Because God says, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people that, are, that belong to me. When we come into faith in Jesus, it's like we come into faith and then he just, he just connects with us. He, 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 you're mine. You're, you're favoured. You become my child. But what we see clearly is, and of course, Nehemiah was operating in that, but there was God's favour that was on the work. I put this, don't leave home without it. I don't want to go into any meeting without God's favour. I don't want to plant a church without God's favour. I don't want to, you know, go into, you know, community environments without God's favour. I want to know that God's favour is upon me. And of course, Nehemiah in chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, The gracious hand of my God was upon me, and the king granted my requests. He knew that favour was on him. There was blessing, there was grace, there was success. This cannot be earned, it cannot be bought, it cannot be manipulated. But it's attracted by godly character. You know, the more we become like Jesus the more favour that is bestowed upon us. And don't think that I have a bigger car, I have a bigger house, I have more money. That stuff is nonsense. That's not a true test of godly favour. Go and speak to some people in Africa and go and speak to some people in China who literally have anything and they're operating in immense favour. That's the favour that I want. And that's the favour that I want for you. I want favour upon your lives. And this is what happened with Nehemiah. Secondly, there was godly and wise leadership. Plural. Everybody says Nehemiah, but let me tell you, his brother was involved in it. And there was another couple of individuals that were involved in it. And then he he downloaded to the tribes and the head of families, didn't he, if you've read it. You know, as soon as we get into the position where I'm calling all the shots and I'm saying, we have problems. But I believe that godly and wise leadership will bring us into extension and advancement and blessing and favour. You know, Nehemiah was touched by God. He prayed. He heard from God. He was persistent. This is what godly and wise leadership does. They're touched by God in prayer. They're persistent. I could take you through it. Nehemiah 2 through to 6. Godly and wise leadership always has a plan. And a strategy, chapters 1 through to 2. They revived the situation, chapter 2. They were humble and they were open. They listened to others. Verse, chapter 3 and 4, they encouraged the people. And they were concerned about the poor. They remained, this is godly and wise leadership, they remained strong in conflict, chapters 2 and through to 4. And chapter 5, they addressed issues quickly. I'm giving you some leadership secrets here of what it means to be godly and wise leadership. And this is what I see in Nehemiah and this is what we're believing for through Arena in the life of this campus too. But not only God's favour and godly and wise leadership, 
But there's also a cooperation. This is where we are. everybody gets involved. Are you still with me? There was a cooperation of the committed and glad-to-be people. There was the cooperation of committed and glad-to-be people. What do I mean by glad-to-be? Well, not mad-to-be, not sad-to-be. I go to some churches and they're just sad-to-be. Or they're completely bonkers, (laughs) mad-to-be. But we're glad-to-be. We're part of the people that are glad to be part of what God's doing here in Mansfield. Is that true? And we're committed and we're cooperating. You see, Nehemiah could have favour, he could have good leadership, but if you have not got the cooperation of the people, it's very, very difficult to move it forward. Anybody ever known who you've tried to drag an animal somewhere? They say, don't you? You can drag a, a water a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. And that is true. And some church leaders, they're forever dragging. Listen, Nehemiah had the hearts of the people opened up to him and the vision. And they said, yes, we will engage in this. And 52 days later, they rebuilt the walls. I am believing for a lighting of fire, even more so in the hearts of you today. A holy encounter where you get hold of God's vision. Because God has a grand vision. And as we get hold of the grand vision, and as we connect it to godly and wise leadership, And as we operate under God's favour, we begin to see God to do the immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Mission accomplished. I've gone over by 29 seconds. Thank you for that spontaneous round of applause. I need that. Actually, 29. We're now into 40 and it's going down now. It's in red now. All turn around. This is what we have to deal with. Look there. My goodness. (laughs) It keeps us on track. Josh, 